0: Act Two of Sweet Lavender by Arthur Wing Pinero. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Second Act. The scene is the same as in the first act. A day has passed, and it is now evening. Dick, looking somewhat neater than before, is sitting in an armchair smoking his pipe thoughtfully. Ruth enters quietly, carrying a tray with tea-things and a letter.
1: A cab has just brought this letter for Mr. Hale. I'll place it here.
0: She lays the letter on one of the teacups. Dick rises and intercepts her as she is going out. How's love it tonight? Any better?
1: N- no, no better.
0: Clement, in walking dress, and carrying a handsome basket of flowers, enters hurriedly.
2: Any good news, Dick?
0: <laughs> no. Dick walks to and fro moodily.
2: How is she, Mrs. Rolt? I
1: fear just the same.
2: May I not see her for a moment to call her at her door? I'll be quiet enough.
1: No, no, not yet.
2: Not yet, Mrs. Rolt, still not yet. Oh, you mothers oh we mothers
0: clement handing her the basket of flowers
2: give her these flowers with my say i you know
0: he drops disconsolately into the armchair
1: thank you they are very beautiful
0: she goes out clement then rises impatiently
2: dick dick clement the idea tortures me that something is being kept from us by Mrs. Rolt's manner,
3: there is a mystery, Dick. You're right, Clement, my boy. By some indefinable instinct, I feel we are being done, sir.
0: Dick hurls his pipe furiously into the grate and sits in the armchair.
3: Lavender loves me. I'll never doubt that. Eh? Hey, she loves us right enough. We needn't distress ourselves on that score. But this illness.
2: I shall have red cheeks tomorrow, she said dick meaning that she was well and happy and then an hour afterwards ill too ill to be seen too ill to send me a word of comfort last night worse this morning worse tonight no better dick it's unendurable
0: dick rising with judicial solemnity and warming himself by the fire
3: well you know clement my boy We may be unduly distressing ourselves, I say ourselves, because in this case, Mr. Richard Fennel is with you. Bless you, dick. We should remember that we are youngsters at this sort of game, that this is, in points of fact, the first time we have offered ourselves in marriage. For all we know, the prospect of an alliance with us would set up a condition of cerebral excitement in any young lady
0: taking up the poker to aid him in his argument
3: no no clement my boy it isn't lavie's illness that puzzles me what then dick why the sudden self-satisfied affability of our aunt miss Gilfillion.
0: ah dick flourishing the poker
3: there's an unpleasant air of truculent triumph in our aunt's demeanour that i resent clement my boy
2: and i too dick And the incessant civility and attention I'm duty-bound to show Mrs. Gilfillian drives me mad. Good gracious, Dick! She and Minnie never leave me for a moment.
3: Our aunt is undoubtedly a barnacle, Clement, my boy. They lunched here yesterday. You know. I know. Afterwards dragging me
2: to the park for two hours in a ridiculous hired Landau and ending by carrying me off to a classical concert in the evening.
3: I feel for you, Clement, though I was at a smoking concert myself last night.
2: This morning, didn't they breakfast with us?
3: Our forthcoming weekly bill will testify that they did.
2: Then we went shopping in Bond Street, asked the price of everything, and had little cold veal pies for a luncheon at a lady's confectioner's.
0: Dick with a wry face. Oh, don't, Clement, don't.
2: After that, we visited picture galleries, till I lost all patience, declared I was neglecting my studies, and rushed away to buy a few flowers for my dear one.
3: Well, perhaps it enables you to forget, for a minute or two, the poor little sick girl downstairs.
2: Ah, Dick, that's unworthy of you. Why, every street to me is Lavender Street. The newsboys shout nothing but Lavender! Evening Lavender! and the flower girls sell only sweet lavender from their baskets the whole world is perfumed with lavender and yet she and i seem so far apart dick so very far apart
0: there is a rat-tat at the outer door a visitor can it be our aunt
2: open the door dick like a good fellow
0: dick opens the door minnie is outside Miss
4: Yes. May I see Clement, Mr. Fennel?
3: I don't wish to dazzle you, Miss Gilfinion, but you may see both of us.
0: Come in. Minnie enters. She is handsomely dressed for the theatre.
3: Why, Minnie, are you alone?
4: Don't scold me, Clem. I've something I must say to you in
2: secret. But where's Aunt?
4: I've given poor Mama what we children used to call the slip.
3: Ah, ha, 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 ha.
0: Minnie turns to Dick. He pokes the fire. I beg your pardon. Clement assists Minnie to take off her cloak.
4: I'm afraid you're dreadfully shocked, Mr. Fennel.
0: No, no.
4: While Mamma was dressing for the theatre, I stole away in a hansom. I've left a note for her on my table.
0: Ha ha ha. Minnie, suddenly serious.
4: It's awfully wrong.
3: Yes, it'll vex our arms, Miss
0: Gilfinian. Minnie to Clement.
4: But Mama will call for us here at half-past eight, Clem, dear.
0: For us?
4: Why, haven't you received her letter?
3: Dear me, quite forgot. it for you somewhere, Clem.
0: Arranging the armchair for Minnie.
3: Miss Gilfinian, toss for the armchair? I, I mean, try the armchair?
0: Clement finds the letter on the teacup and opens it reading the letter disconsolately.
3: We have a box for
2: four persons for the Cabinet Theatre to witness the new play about which people talk so much, The Sealskin Jacket. I hear it described as a salutary lesson to young men. We shall fetch you at half-past eight. Dick,
3: I'm getting desperate!
0: Dick, under his breath, grasping Clement's hand,
3: have up. We must continue to hold a candle to... to aunt. Why shouldn't you join us and help me through the evening? The box holds four. I know. Our aunt spread out in front and the rest looking at her hairpins. No. Dick, you're unkind. Unkind? Clement, my boy, have you seen my evening clothes? No, Dick. Thought not. The coat and waistcoat have been in fair preservation, but the rest of it has been attending funerals for years.
0: Minnie tapping her foot impatiently.
2: Clement? I beg your pardon, Minnie.
0: Minnie eyes Dick and looks at Clement significantly. Minnie in an undertone.
4: Clement? Mr. Fennel?
0: Oh, yes. Trying to attract Dick's attention. Dick! Dick sitting at table
3: no no dick rather busy tonight clement my boy
0: clement makes signs to dick to depart while dick thinking that clement is renewing his persuasions with regard to the theatre shakes his head clement impatiently dick whispers to him oh shaking clement's hand my dear clement he snatches up a book from the sofa a newspaper from the table, and a pipe and tobacco jar from the mantelpiece, and goes to the door of his own room. Innocently,
3: Can you spare me for ten minutes, Clement? Certainly, Dick. Thank you.
0: He goes into his room, Minnie watches to see the door close, then lays her hand upon Clement's arm.
4: Clem, dear, I've come to see you alone because I must put myself right with you.
2: "'Isn't it I who should put myself right with you, Minnie?'
4: "'Don't be polite, Clem. "'And unless you tell me you hate me, I shall cease to respect
2: you.' I "'Hate you?'
4: "'Why, look how Mamma and I torture you all day by carrying you about with us. "'Aren't you in agony, sir, the whole time? "'What do you think you looked like this afternoon in McNabb's picture gallery in the Haymarket?'
2: "'I... I was so horribly anxious, Minnie, about... "'About
4: your studies?' "'Come, Clem.'
0: She takes his hand and places him on the sofa, then sits on the head of the sofa, looking down upon him.
4: "'Let us be fogies for a moment. You know we were very fond of each other as children, weren't we?'
2: "'Yes, Minnie, and—'
4: "'Hush! Well then, dear, as we grew up, we grew out of our love, as boys and girls outgrow their clothes. Your love, as it were, got too short in the waist— And mine wouldn't meet at the buttons. And at last, one fine day we yawned, Clem, and the seams of our affection collapsed.
0: Clement, taking her hand, embarrassed.
2: My dear Minnie.
0: Minnie, sitting beside him.
4: Ah, Clem, don't let us mourn for it. We're lucky to have yawned in time, dear. And so I want you to understand that I won't help to mend and patch an old detachment. I won't put an extra flounce or a new set of hooks and eyes on a garment a couple of children wore to rags years ago. There, that's what I call putting myself right with you.
0: Clement tenderly taking her hands.
2: My dear sister, how compassionate you are to me.
0: Minnie smiling.
4: And so you were on with the new love before you were off with the old, you
2: bad boy. I... I can't help loving her, Minnie. And
4: you're quite sure there's plenty of devotion turned up at the edge, in case you haven't done growing?
2: Ah, Minnie, I'm not so bad as that.
4: I've no faith in you, monster. But Clem, I'm dreadfully afraid Mamma still thinks we shall make a match of it. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Laughingly.
4: Whenever Mamma is triumphant, her curls are always rigid, and today they're like little
2: telescopes. Whatever happens, Minnie, I resent Aunt's interference. I'm a man now.
4: Oh, yes, anybody can see that by the way you jilt people. But Clem, dear, I wish you'd do something to please me.
2: I'll do anything.
4: Anything but marry me. Well, don't wait for Uncle Geoffrey's return, but write to him to the Hotel Rivoli in Paris and tell him how you adore my hated rival uncle jeff is a bachelor but married men and bachelors are manufactured by the same process love clem and he'll understand tell him all and say that the girl you have lost your treacherous heart to has won one staunch friend
2: minnie Gilfillion. my dear sister i'll write directly i get back from the theatre
0: putting his hand to his breast
2: shall i send him her portrait
0: minnie pointing
4: You've got one there. How did you guess? You silly boy. Show it me.
0: She sits in the armchair. He takes a small photograph from his pocket and hands it to her. Minnie, leaning back, scrutinizing the portrait with a great air of indifference.
4: So this is the little lady I saw yesterday in her best frock, is it?
2: Yes, I saw it from Dick Fennel's album.
4: A thief as well as a heartbreaker. And you consider her really pretty?
2: Say what you think, Minnie. I don't mind.
4: Why, she has only two eyes, as I have, and one nose and mouth, just like me. Now, I wonder why you jilted me for lavender.
2: You're only teasing me, aren't you?
4: Oh, I don't condescend to tease bad men.
2: And what a very little girl she is. I see.
4: It's economy. When you're married, you'll only keep a goat chase.
0: Returning the photo.
4: She can't weigh much, Clem.
2: Less than my heart does tonight, Minnie. She's ill. Suffering.
0: Minnie compassionately.
2: Poor boy. She'll be well tomorrow. If anything happened to us, Minnie. If I lost her. Hush, Clem.
0: Taking his hand.
2: I'll tell you. When a girl
4: knows she is loved by the man she loves, she has a charmed life. Her heart can't stop. If ever the Elixir Vitae is discovered, Clem, it'll turn out to be a bottle of something to keep a man and a woman in love with each other. There, run along and put its pretty things on for the theatre.
0: He kisses her hand and goes into his bedroom. Minnie seeing the tea things. Tea? putting her hand on the teapot.
4: "'Hot! I must take to tea violently now I'm going to be an old maid. Tomorrow I'll buy a kitten.'
0: There is a rat-tat at the outer door.
4: Mamma, What a scolding's in store for me! Oh, dear!'
0: She goes to the door and opens it. Horace Bream is outside. He is in evening dress and carries a cane. "'Mr. Hale?' She leaves the door in a flutter.
4: Horace Bream, how awkward.
0: Horace closes the door and follows her into the room. My dear Miss Gilfillian. Minnie, uneasily.
4: I dare say you're surprised meet me here. I have missed Mamma somehow. Perhaps you will call again.
5: Very likely. If you remember, I was here yesterday. Minnie embarrassed
4: i mean mr hale may be quite ten minutes
5: i shall be perfectly charmed if he's twenty minnie coldly
4: if you decide to wait mr hale would like you to sit down i'm sure
0: horace bowing i'm sure he would minnie pointing to a chair
4: don't mind me please
0: she turns away abruptly and sits at writing-table with her back towards horace to herself
4: a man's the last creature to recognize the possibility of his being detroit
0: horace moodily
5: to himself as he sits on the arm of the armchair well the formality of an unmarried lady in england is perfectly chilling minnie to herself
4: what does he think of my being here
0: horace to himself i can't i can't endure this a minute longer he crosses to the sofa where he sits watching Minnie. Minnie to herself.
4: How embarrassing! I wish I was buried!
5: Horace to himself. If this continues for another five seconds, I shall shriek aloud. I'll
4: put a bold face on the matter. An American girl would be equal to twice this.
0: Looking angrily at the back of the armchair in which she supposes Horace to be while he watches her with curiosity. Bother! Horace rises in surprise, and Minnie, peeping over the back of the chair, finds it empty, and turns, facing Horace with a gasp. Oh! In confusion.
4: Pray excuse my having left you for a moment. Will you have some tea?
0: Sitting. Horace
5: resuming his seat. I shall be perfectly delighted. To himself. In English society, while there is tea, there is hope. Sugar?
0: Thank you. Cheerfully to himself. We have fairly started.
4: And milk.
0: Horace, after bowing assent. We are a perfect congress. Minnie to herself.
4: I wonder what he wants with Clem.
0: To Horace.
4: So glad you called to consult Mr. Hale.
0: Consult? Minnie, handing him a cup of tea.
4: He's studying for the bar, you know. I thought perhaps—
5: Oh, yes, certainly. I require his opinion on a matter of extreme delicacy. Minnie, looking away, chilled. Oh! Horace, watching her over his cup. Congress has risen. Leaning towards her. Will you permit me to acquaint you with my delicate business? Oh,
4: really, Mr. Bream, I—I think—
5: Miss Gilfillian, you— are my delicate business minnie rising quickly and haughtily
0: indeed horace contemplating
5: her now how thoroughly characteristic that is of this old country rising with his hat and cane miss Gilfilian. he goes to her she
0: moves away he retreats carefully choosing his position by selecting a particular spot in the pattern of the carpet with the end of his
5: cane. Miss Gilfillian, the time I have spent in your society, and in that of your delightful mother, has been extremely fascinating to me. Minnie, distantly.
4: Oh, thank you.
5: Advancing a step or
0: two.
4: I need not say I shall always remember gratefully the service you rendered me in Paris.
5: Pray don't allude to that. I. He goes
0: towards her. She retreats to her former position after a slight pause he identifies his particular spot on the carpet and returns
5: to it but miss gilfilian i certainly did hope that those enchanting moments in nice and in monte carlo where i had the honour of instructing you in and Corant, might be continued in this dear old country and that's why i am here to consult my friend hale minnie firing up
4: pray what has mr hale to do with it
5: Miss Kilfillian, you drove in the park yesterday, with my friend Hale. Certainly. I was there, hanging on to the railings. You were at Christofaro's concert in the evening, with my friend Hale. I was? I was there, half over the balcony. Really? I— This morning you were in and out all the stores in Bond Street. I was balancing myself on the curb. You had luncheon at a restaurant in Piccadilly where they sell flies and other candies. It was there I partook of a last season's ice. Minnie, losing her temper. Oh! I followed to every picture-gallery within a mile of the Burlington, in the dark rooms of which I had a peaceful time. In fact, Miss Gilfillian, I have the honour to be always with you. Minnie angrily.
4: I never see you, sir.
5: I trust I know better than to intrude
4: do you learn our movements?
5: At the hotel. Minnie indignantly.
4: You present yourself at our hotel?
5: You are staying at my hotel.
4: Oh! On the same floor, I presume?
5: No. Minnie sarcastically.
4: Thank you.
5: I occupy the room immediately beneath your own.
4: To listen to my movements?
5: To enjoy the consolation of conjecture.
4: Oh, I can't tell you how indignant I am.
5: Horace to himself. Well, I never thought a man could enjoy so much conversation with a young unmarried lady in this old country.
4: Oh, may I ask where you're going tonight?
5: I have a stall for the cabinet theatre.
0: With a blank look, Minnie sinks upon the sofa.
4: I shall tell Mr. Hale.
5: Ah, if you will allow me, I will tell Mr. Hale. I'm here for that purpose. I'm here to ask my friend Hale whether he's fortunate enough to be engaged to the most fascinating lady I have ever known. And if he says yes, I start for New York on Saturday. Minnie, horrified. But if he says no. Then I shall ask permission to rejoin your most delightful party. Oh! Clement enters, dressed for the theatre.
2: Half past eight.
0: Minnie, much disturbed, runs up to him.
4: Clement! Here is that Mr. Bream.
0: Eh? Huh? Seeing Horace and nodding distantly. How do you do? Horace returns Clement's salutation with a genial wave of the hand. How are you? Clement softly to Minnie.
2: What's he doing
0: here?
4: Just what he does everywhere. He's the original little old man of the sea.
0: Stamping her foot.
4: He he must be awfully
2: fond of Mamma.
0: Clement, to himself.
2: We can't snub him after his splendid behavior in Paris. Poor fellow. I wonder if you would join our theater party.
0: To Horace.
2: We're going to the cabinet theater, Mr. Bream. I'm sure my aunt will be very pleased to see you in her box if you—
5: Oh! It holds four. Horace, shaking hands with Clement. Sir, it shall hold one who is eternally obliged to you. Minnie. DISTRACTEDLY. IT'S FATE. ENTER
0: DICK IN DILAPIDATED EVENING DRESS, OLD OPERA HAT AND SEEDY GLOVES. CLEMENT SURPRISED. WHY, DICK,
3: I—, I HOWDEN THE HEART TO disoblige YOU, CLEMENT, MY BOY? I HAVE JUST ASKED MR. Bream TO TAKE THE FOURTH SEAT IN THE BOX. I'M SURE MR.
4: Bream WILL SEE THAT MR. FENNEL HAS THE FIRST CLAIM.
5: HORACE BOWING. OH, CERTAINLY to himself that's just cruel anyway
0: dick clapping his hat on the mantelpiece and hastily removing his gloves
3: couldn't think of it happy release for all parties
0: horace throwing his hat in the air and catching it ha minnie to herself
4: it is fate
0: there is a very pronounced rat tat at the outer door my mamma Horace, to himself, and I hope mine, Clement, to Dick, that's Aunt Dick,
3: Auntie, undoubtedly,
0: Clement hesitatingly,
3: will you er uh... no, Clement, my boy, I open the door last, your turn,
0: Dick joins Horace and Minnie Clement goes to the door and opens it. Mrs. Gilfillion is seen outside, dressed for the theatre
2: clement is minnie here yes aunt won't you come in come in of course i'll come in entering minnie
1: mamma
0: mrs gilfilian indignantly
1: don't speak to me
4: a young girl you who taught in a sunday school at barnchester
2: don't speak to me what have you to say for yourself
0: clement arranging the armchair for her
2: my dear aunt i Go away, Clement.
0: Breathlessly sinking into the armchair.
2: Oh,
4: how did you get here? A hansom, Mamma. How dare you? An unmarried girl in a hansom? They're quicker than four wheelers, Mamma. Quicker? They're faster. I never drove in hansoms alone till I was thirty-three, and then I made the driver promise not to look at me through the roof. They never do that when you're alone. Mamma,
0: coaxing.
4: And indeed, I'm very sorry. Sorry. I wanted to speak to Clement, just by ourselves, there. You
0: haven't quarrelled.
4: Quarrelled? No. We understand each other better now than we have ever done.
0: Mrs. Gilfillian, patting Minnie's cheek approvingly.
4: Perhaps I've been a little too cross with you.
0: In a whisper.
4: But you must tell me everything tonight. Before you close your eyes, mind everything. Yes, everything.
0: Mrs. Gilfillian triumphantly to herself.
2: It's settled. I'm sure of it.
0: Clement, looking at his watch.
2: Shall we start, aunt?
0: Mrs. Gilfillian, looking at him beamingly and boxing his ears playfully with her fan.
2: The carriage is waiting, you bad boy.
0: Unnoticed, Dick stands looking on.
2: I hope you'll forgive me, aunt, for providing a fourth occupant to your box. Not that Mr. Funnel.
0: No. Mrs. Gilfillian turning. Oh. To Dick apologetically.
2: I, really, I... Mr. Bream, aunt.
0: Mrs. Gilfillian turning round and coming face to face with Horace. Mr. Bream. Horace talks to Mrs. Gilfillian, Dick chuckling at them. Minnie, quietly to Clement.
1: Clem,
4: I must ask your advice about Mr. Bream, directly.
0: Delighted. Assisting Minnie to put on mantle.
2: Bream, will you drive on with my aunt to the theatre? Minnie and I want to walk up to Briggs, the florist by Middle Temple Gate. We'll follow you in a cab.
0: Mrs. Gilfillian to herself.
6: They have settled it.
0: Shaking her fan at Clement.
4: Ah! You sly boy
0: Good humouredly taking Horace's arm.
4: We're encumbrances. Come along, Mr Bream.
0: Horace ruefully to himself. Damn. He takes Mrs. Gilfillian out, leaving the door open.
2: Good night, Dick.
0: Warningly.
3: Word of honour, as usual.
0: Dick to Clement loftily. Word of honour
3: as usual, Clement, my boy.
4: Good night, Mr Fennel. So sorry you are not coming with us. Is the florist's
2: far? Two minutes. We can make it ten by going round. It's a fine night.
0: As Minnie and Clement go out, Bulger passes them and enters hastily. Clement outside. Ah,
2: Mr. Bulger.
0: Clement closes the door. Dick turns and almost catches Bulger in his arms. Bulger, who is dressed in his best, is very agitated
7: mr fennel what's the matter
0: bulger drops faintly into the armchair and wipes his brow with a coloured handkerchief
7: excuse me for sitting sir oh mr fennel i wish you wouldn't look as if you expected me to shave you bulger
3: you're not ill i hope
7: you and me as known mrs rolt the same length of time mr fennel what of her There's no need for secrecy no longer, sir. I have regarded Mrs. Rolt very deeply for years, sir. Bulger, Ridiculous, it seems, most likely. I don't deny it. Of course, it's ridiculous. I tell you, I don't deny it, sir. But it's hard to keep your place in this world when the place is a mean small one and i have so far forgot myself concerning ruth rolt as to drop into poetry
0: he produces a folded paper from his hat dick shrinks away
7: No, don't fear sir but this evening while hanging about the railings downstairs more like a thief than an old established hairdresser hoping for a chance to slip this into mrs r s hand i-i saw what brought me up to you mr fennel what have you seen bulger peering over the top of the blind i see her little ornaments vanished from the mantelpiece sir and her few pictures took down and-and bulger what does it mean it only means one thing to my mind. Ruth rolls are going, Mr. Fennel. Going? Going away?
0: Bulger, pacing distractedly up and down the room.
7: Going after all these years.
0: Wait! Dick runs excitedly up to the outer door, opens it, and goes out. He returns directly, drawing the curtain over the passage opening. Dick breathlessly holding the curtain, Bulger, pointing to the door of his bedroom,
3: Get out of the way. Wait in that room.
0: Bulger goes into Dick's bedroom. The curtain is then pushed aside, and Ruth, in outgoing attire, looks in.
1: Mr. Fennel
0: Dick, with assumed lightness.
1: Uh, Ah, Ruth. I've seen Mr. Hale go out with his friends. Is there any chance of his returning till late?
0: They're
3: off to the play. It will be back till past eleven.
0: She drops the curtain.
3: What's this? What's this?
0: Ruth outside.
1: Lavender. Lavender.
0: A lavender. Ruth pushes aside the curtain and enters with Lavender, who is also dressed for going out, while her face is pale, her eyes red with weeping.
3: Why, loving
0: ruth pressing lavender to her
1: don't speak to her she can't bear it
3: ruth w- what are i doing
1: running away people will call it but we're out of debt so that doesn't matter we've come to say good-bye mr fennel
3: good-bye
0: ruth not good-bye lavender gives a little cry of pain ruth places her in the armchair then speaks to dick apart
1: you've been a kind friend to us for fifteen years mr fennel but i'd have gone without troubling you because you won't understand but levy begged so hard to look at this room once more and i trust you not to hinder us i know i can
3: trust
0: you she leaves him and leans her head on the back of the chair weeping
3: you're not going to hide yourself away from mr hale
0: Lavender starts up with a cry
6: oh yes yes mr
1: hale why did he ever come here to bring this sorrow on me to rob me of my little girl's love what is mr hale to me i was rich before he came because of her my poor rooms were warm and well furnished all because of her yesterday any grand lady might have envied me because of her
0: indignantly
6: mr
1: hale indeed
6: Mother, I'm doing what you ask me without complaining. But don't, don't speak against Mr. Hale any more.
3: Speak against Mr. Hale? Who does? Ruth, who's at the bottom of this? I'll know, I'll know before I let this boy's heart be broken as well as love is.
0: Lavendar goes to Dick and lays her head upon his shoulder, sobbing.
6: Oh, Mr. Fennel, will it break his heart? Will it? Will it?
0: ruth to dick despairingly
6: you'll undo all i've done don't don't
0: dick puts lavender from him gently she goes and sits weeping on the window-seat now look here
3: ruth vault
1: hush mr fennel i'm deceiving her
3: deceiving her
1: i'm forcing her to do this i've begged to her gone down on my knees to her made her promise not to forsake me i've told her that if mr hale married her his rich friends would turn their backs on him and that he'd soon weary of a wife who brought him only poverty i've taught her that a true woman best proves her love for a man by thinking of his future but heaven forgive me that's not why i'm doing this that's not why
3: then there's no reason at all ruth and you shan't do it I say you shan't do it.
1: Oh, pity me. I'll tell you. If Lavender ever married Mr. Hale, she would have to be told the secret of my life.
3: The secret, Ruth?
1: Yes. I pray for all women who hug such a secret to their bosom as I have always with me to keep me company. It would have worn me out years ago, but for one blessing, one consolation my child's respect for her mother i've no right to it but it has made my life endurable even happy and imagine what it would be for me to lose it now
0: dick holds out his hand she turns and takes it dick falteringly ruth
3: did i speak costly to you ruth did i i'm sorry ruth forgive me what a trouble and a worry i've been to you these fifteen years
0: Ruth leans upon the armchair, weeping. Lavender comes to Dick. Lavender faintly.
6: Mother, may I sit with Mr. Fennel, if he'll let me, till it's time for us to start?
0: Dick, patting her head. Of course, lovey, of course. Ruth, in a whisper to Dick.
1: Oh, tell her that what I do is right. I know she'll never love me again as she has loved me, but be my friend and defend me mr fennel
0: to lavender as she is going towards the door
1: in ten minutes lavender yes mother
0: dick following ruth
3: you won't confide in me where you're going ruth
1: don't ask me even she doesn't know yet good-bye
0: dick taking her hand
3: ah ruth fifteen years
1: fifteen years i remember many many kindnesses to me and my little one
0: raising his hand to her lips
1: good-bye mr fennel
0: she goes out dick to himself as he goes to the armchair and sinks into it
3: good-bye booth good-bye fifteen years fifteen years
6: mr fennel lavender
3: lavender
6: is it true mr fennel
3: Is what true?
6: Mother says that Mr. Hale's friends would turn against him if he married me. Would they? She says that he'd dote on me for a time and treat me like a child does a doll, and then he'd grow tired of me and fret for what he'd lost by choosing a toy wife instead of a lady. Is that true, Mr. Fennel?
3: Love, you do ask such questions.
6: You know him very well. Perhaps he's talked to you a little about me i'll believe you if you tell me i'm not fit for him is it true mr fennel is it true
0: she breaks down and sinking on her knees bows her head on the arm of the chair and sobs lovey i oh it's not true is it dick with an effort yes lovey
3: it's true Oh it's the way of the world for poverty to make us sour and unjust and if clem came to grief he may lay it at the door of the little doll's house that contained the little doll he'd marry
0: lavender rising and drawing back
6: oh i don't believe that of clem
0: dick starting up and following her no nor i ah dick checking himself
3: but your mother knows better than we do your mother knows better than we do so you must go downstairs now lovey it's quite time you went downstairs to your mother
6: i wanted you to let me write a letter here just saying good-bye to clement but now you send me downstairs
0: dick not looking at her
3: be quick then be quick
0: yes i'll be quick she goes to the writing-table and sits writing dick eyeing lavender guiltily
3: i'm behaving remarkably well Clemens. i am i'm a valuable friend for a young gentleman to board with and confide in i flatter myself
0: lavender writing
6: my dear my dear
0: to herself
6: how can i call him my dear he's not my dear
0: she sobs dick hears her and starts putting his fingers in his ears. Dick helplessly.
3: Why did I promise to help Ruth?
6: Oh, Clement, Clement.
0: Dick to himself.
3: Poor Clem. I shall never be able to lock him in the face again. I, I...
0: He works his mouth as if his tongue were dry, then desperately looks into the teapot. Lavender writing.
6: It's for your good i'm going away
0: with another sob ah dick shutting the lid of the teapot empty he starts up looks round quickly then goes to the sideboard stooping down and opening the cupboard while he glances over his shoulder at lavender lavender resting her head upon the table
6: oh i can't i can't
0: dick takes a decanter of whisky and the carafe and tumbler from the sideboard and brings them to the table, Dick to himself,
3: the last time, Clement, my boy, last time
0: he pours some whisky into the tumbler and gulps it. It makes him cough. He looks round at lavender guiltily, then draws the left side of the large curtain over the opening to the further room.
3: Only a thimbleful Clement my boy,
0: pouring out more whisky and drinking it then sitting and staring at the tumbler
3: i've broken my word to clement drinking if clement were to come back now by chance he'd see me
0: suddenly he'd see her oh he drains his glass and rises excitedly
3: clement my boy why shouldn't you come back now by chance
0: he goes to the table and scribbles a few words on a piece of paper which he hastily encloses in an envelope. Bulger,
3: where did I put Bulger?
0: Recollecting. Bulger! Going hastily to the door of his bedroom, opening it and calling out in a whisper. Bulger! Bulger appears in the doorway. Dick seizes him and gives him the note.
3: Run up to Biggs is the florist. If you catch Mr. Hale there, give him that. Run, Bulger, run, run.
0: He hurries Bulger out.
3: Now I've broken my word to poor Ruth. Weakly. Bulger.
0: Going to the door again, opening it, and calling faintly.
3: Bulger, don't run, walk.
0: Mr. Moore, a white haired old gentleman in an inverness cape, with a crisp, dry manner of speaking, appears outside.
8: Oh, I'm lucky, Mr. Fennel. May I speak to you on a matter of great
0: importance? dick closing the door
8: mr moore i think yes i am very late in leaving my office tonight and seeing your light in your window
0: staring at dick i hope you're well dick drawing himself up with dignity
3: quite well thank you
0: take a chair. moore sitting to himself
8: this man is in his usual condition i'm afraid
0: dick drawing the right side of the large curtain to meet the left side, completely hiding the further room from view.
3: Excuse me, Lovie. Two minutes, two
0: minutes. He walks with rather uncertain steps to a chair and sits, mixing some whiskey and water. Moore taking some papers from his pocket, eyeing Dick.
8: Well, well, perhaps it's better. I really pity him.
0: Dick drinking.
8: Broken my word to booth.
0: More, selecting from his papers a letter with a deep mourning border. Mr. Finnell Dick, with a wave of the hand towards the decanter. Join me? No, thank you. No. Getting quite muddled.
3: If you don't take wheat drop whiskey and water after the labours of the day, when do you take wheat drop whiskey and water? Never, sir. Mr. Fennel. Your late mother's brother, Mr. Vipont. Uncle George.
0: Snapping his fingers indignantly.
3: I washed my hands of him twenty years ago on account of his habits. Should I say my habits.
0: Drinking again.
8: If you'd kindly postpone your supper till I've gone, I should feel obliged. Mr. Finnell, you will regret to hear that Mr. Vipont is uh, dead.
0: Dick has his glass to his lips. He replaces it upon the table.
3: Poor Uncle George. A violently tempered man, Mr. Moore. All blame. Blame but praise. Oh dear no. <laughs> Much might have been done by kindness. Whatever
8: lack of toleration your uncle displayed towards you, Mr. Fennel, he neglected to destroy a will made years ago entirely in your favour.
0: Dick rising unsteadily my favour will in my favour my moore raising his hand but mr finnell dick swaying to and fro over moore
3: but i perceive my poor uncle resembled his poor nephew never thought of the rainy day when he'd want a pound or two to die with i beg your
8: pardon i have a schedule here of bonds and other easily negotiable securities deposited with his bankers of the value of twenty five thousand pounds dick with his
0: hand to his head
8: why, twenty five thousand beyond that i trace a further fifteen thousand entrusted to these bankers for investment at their discretion
0: dick falls into his chair and gulps at his drink. Twenty-five thousand,
3: fifteen thousand, forty thousand. But, uh, Mister
8: Fennel, I've not yet told you everything.
0: Dick waving him away.
3: Forty thousand. That's
8: sufficient. I've told you that Mister Vipon's fortune was in the hands of his bankers.
0: Dick drinking.
8: Long
3: live to the bankers.
8: It is the old tale, sir. Over speculation, temptation, false balance sheets. Today, the doors of the bank to which Mr. Vipont entrusted his fortune have been finally closed.
3: Broke.
0: Moore producing a telegram.
8: This telegram informs me that two of the partners have absconded. It's a bad business, Mr.
3: Fennell.
0: Dick blankly
3: Flies of. Forty thousand thousand partners
0: taking the telegram from moore and looking at it stupidly
3: uncle george's fortune
0: rustling the telegram and looking through it as if it were a bank note
3: largest bank note i've ever had in my life
0: sticking the telegram in his waistcoat pocket dick staggers across the room as the door opens and Clement enters with Dick's note in his hand. Dick! Clement Clement comes upon Dick, who is sitting helplessly on the arm of the chair. Clement, starting back.
2: Dick, you've been...
3: drinking. Now? Pointing to Moore. My Miss Moore. Mr. Finnell isn't very well, I'm
8: afraid. The spirits are with you, Mister Moore i'll see mr finnell
0: in the morning moore goes out and shuts the door clement pulling dick up
2: dick speak to me what's the meaning of this
3: note bonk note, clement forty thousand pounds
0: clement shaking dick's arm
3: dick there's no bad news of lavender
0: dick slightly reviving
3: La- uh, lavender oh, i remember
0: pointing towards the curtains important
3: letter from lavender in the next room a
2: letter thank you for sending after me but i wouldn't have come back to see you like this not even for a letter from lavender dick i'll never trust you again
0: he goes through the curtains closing them after him dick piteously
3: oh do forgive me clement do overlook it
0: there is the sound of a cry from lavender on the other side of the curtains
6: ah clement
0: dick listening
3: ah you'll forgive me now clement won't you it's ruth who'll never forgive me I'll, i'll hide from ruth i can't face ruth
0: taking up the decanter and tumbler and crossing to the door of his bedroom
3: the last time clement my boy the last time
0: HE STUMBLES OUT AS CLEMENT COMES THROUGH THE CURTAINS, SUPPORTING LAVENDER. HE PLACES HER GENTLY UPON THE SOFA.
2: DICK, I DIDN'T MEAN WHAT I SAID. I...
0: LAVENDER OPENING HER EYES.
6: CLEMENT!
0: CLEMENT BENDING OVER HER.
6: LAVENDER! THE LETTER! THE LETTER I WAS WRITING TO YOU! FETCH IT! THE LETTER!
0: HE DISAPPEARS THROUGH THE CURTAIN.
6: He mustn't find out tonight that mother is taking me away.
0: Clement reappears with the letter.
6: Won't you give it to me? By and by, by and by.
0: He gives her the letter. She thrusts it into her pocket with a sigh of relief.
2: My poor little sweetheart, are those the red cheeks you promised? Is this how you keep faith with me?
6: I meant to keep faith with you always, Clement.
0: Covering her face with her hands.
6: I'm not scolding you. How brave of you to
2: struggle up all these stairs to ease my suspense. But won't you say that you're better? A little better for seeing me.
6: Yes, I, I. But you startled me so, Clement.
0: Clement, putting his arm round her.
2: Why, what a delicate little flower it is, and how I shall have to tend it and nurture it all my life.
0: All
6: your life all your life
0: she takes his hand from her shoulder and throws it almost roughly from her then rises in agitation clement startled lavender lavender under her breath clasping her hands
6: mother don't take me away don't don't take me away lavender
2: you're angry with me
0: lavender pointing to the clock
6: no but I'd forgotten. Mother is waiting for me. Good night, Clement.
2: Ah uh, no, not yet.
6: I must. I I promised. And Clement, you have been very troubled about me the few hours we've been separated, haven't you?
2: Troubled? If only you knew.
6: Well then, dear, I want you to remember if ever we're parted again.
2: No, not again, Lavender.
6: I mean, if ever you have to go upon a journey or i have to go a a journey i want you to bear in mind that my thoughts are true and faithful and loving to you
2: my sweet lavender
6: and though i'm a poor commonplace girl and you're far above me my prayers for you are just as good as any lady's and they shall never cease night or morning never dear never not as long as i live
0: taking the letter from her pocket and giving it to him timidly
6: there's the letter i wrote to you you must give me your word you'll not open it till the morning
0: i do
2: give you my word
6: let me see you hide it away somewhere in the next room or
0: clement with a smile
2: certainly i'll lock it up there
0: going to the writing table and unlocking the drawer he puts the letter away talking while his back is turned towards lavender
2: there when i open this drawer tomorrow these old bills will have doubled themselves with pride what have they done to deserve such sweet company
0: seizing her opportunity with a last look at clement she goes softly up to the outer door as she reaches it there is a loud rat tat tat and with a cry she comes back into the room clement clement turning
2: hello a caller for dick i expect whoever it is he doesn't come in
0: he goes up to the outer door and opens it mr Geoffrey wedderburn is outside wedderburn heartily
9: clement my dear lad father
0: with a low cry lavender disappears through the curtain as wedderburn enters while clement having closed the door, looks around for her. Geoffrey Wedderburn is a handsome, well-preserved man of about fifty, with a ruddy face, a bright cheery voice with a slight burr in it, and the air and manner of a prosperous country gentleman. He is dressed in tweeds and an ulster, as if from a journey. He throws his hat and gloves upon the sofa, then turns to Clement with open arms. "'Come here!' Affectionately. Lord, how glad I am to see you. Clement, taking his hand.
2: Ah, father, now that I hear your kind voice, I feel how neglectful I've been. You look well.
9: Look well? Ha, <laughs> ha, I haven't a little love affair on hand, you villain.
0: Throwing his ulster upon the sofa.
9: Dad, you know. No all the world knows when a terrible chap like you is in love
0: clement embarrassed
9: i was going to write to you tonight don't trouble yourself clem
0: taking a bundle of letters and papers from his pocket
9: your aunt clara's telegram gives a few interesting particulars mrs Gilfillian's telegram why what do you think has brought me from paris in such a deuce of a hurry eh and you're not angry father angry now have i ever been angry with you my boy no dad never no and a plague of a child you've been too <laughs> wedderburn
0: taking clement's hand and looking into his face
9: but the only time you really hurt me clem was when you had the fever years ago and i sat by your bedside through some dreadful nights and You didn't know me when I spoke to you. Ah,
5: Clem.
0: Clement, putting his hand on Wedderburn's shoulder.
9: Ah, Dad. However, confound that.
0: Selecting a telegram from among his letters and looking at it through a gold-rimmed eyeglass.
9: So, she's the daughter of the laundress of these new chambers of yours. Is she, Clement? Clement, biting his lip. Yes, Father, but... But she's very beautiful, eh? She's very sweet, very good. Wedderburn, reading the telegram. Oh, I know, my dear lad, I know. Father, would you like to see her
0: this evening? Wedderburn returns his papers to his pocket and rises, putting his arm round Clement's shoulder.
9: Now, my dear Clement, why on earth should I see her? Clement. Under his breath, Father! Come, come, we'll have a bit of a jaunt together, you and I. They don't want me at the bank, I'm only a name there nowadays. But for form's sake, we'll run down to Barnchester in the morning, and then we'll cut away north and be lazy and happy. Look sharp, tell your man to throw a few things into a portmanteau, and come back with me to the hotel tonight.
0: Taking up his hat and coat,
9: Dad, you you don't understand i can never leave here
2: until father lavender is to be my wife
0: wedderburn stands for a moment thoughtfully then throws down his hat and coat and crosses to the fireplace taking a cigar from his cigar-case while clement watches him
9: clement my dear boy my son when i was a young man old enough to know better but a young man I fell in love with a woman just as enchanting, I dare swear, as this Miss Lavender, as you call her. Well, Father? She was a woman in humble life, but I loved her dearly. But, just as I was on the point of marrying her, Clem, my hard, old-fashioned common sense pulled me back. Ah, uh, sir,
2: why? Why?
9: Why? Why, my lady would have been all elbows, as we say, among the starched gentlefolks of Barnchester. She would have been mercilessly cut by the whole county, Clement.
2: Then confound the whole country, sir.
9: Oh, by all means. But the neglect would have soured her and made me cross, and it would have been a damned wretched marriage. That's all, my boy. Taking Clement's Hand But, Clem, it nearly broke me up at that time. And to find some corner to hide my love in, I made a son of the child of a dear dead schoolfellow of mine.
2: Sir, I can't ever repay you.
9: Yes, you can. All the payment I want, you can make me tonight. What I did for common sense years ago, you must do for me at this moment. So put on your hat and come along. Goes to the sofa and takes up coat and hat. I i can't father you won't you mean father she or i
2: which is it god bless you for all your goodness to me sir but she
9: is to be my wife
0: dick calling from his room
9: clem boy clem what's that
0: clement going towards the door of dick's room hush dick the door opens and dick staggers on flourishing the telegram which Moore has given him.
3: Clement, look here. This telegram is from Asolosida. Luke! Be quiet, Dick. Mr. Wedderburn. Wedderburn?
9: May I ask the name of your friend?
2: Richard Fennel? We share these rooms together.
9: Wedderburn angrily to Dick. Then, sir, I congratulate you on acquiring the undivided companionship of Mr. Clement Hale who can now accompany you to the gutter with all possible speed the gutter the gutter sir which i take to be your destination the gutter handing him the telegram
3: then we can give you a lift mr
9: wedderburn dick be silent what's this mean taking the telegram
3: it means that wedderburn green and hoskett bangers of barnes a suspended payment broke sir two assoms
0: there is a knocking at the outer door dick staggers up to it clement goes to wedderburn who stands gazing steadily at the telegram
2: father you know better than to believe this
0: the knock is repeated wedderburn is silent father dick opens the door and admits mrs gilfilian minnie and horace the two former seeing wedderburn go to him while horace speaks rapidly to clement dick leaving the door open joins them
6: geoffrey uncle uncle
0: putting her arm
9: round his neck
4: there's some dreadful news in the paper about the bank uncle geoffrey
9: the paper send for it let me see it geoffrey
5: it isn't true
9: wedderburn with an effort show me the paper
0: hearing a movement he turns sharply and sees clement reading from a newspaper which horace holds
9: you have it there give it me
0: mrs gilfilian sits weeping on the sofa minnie stands bending over her consolingly clement gives wedderburn the newspaper after looking at the paper for a moment wedderburn with a groan bows his head upon the mantelpiece. The
9: villains! Dishonour! Dishonour! Ruth,
0: calling softly outside. Lavender! She enters hurriedly. Lavender! To Clement, seeing all but Wedderburn.
1: Where is she? I want my daughter.
0: Clement disappears through the curtains. Wedderburn, hearing ruth's voice turns and he and ruth come face to face ruth they stand staring at each other lavender comes through the curtains with an effort ruth seizes her and goes out with her quickly as they disappear wedderburn puts his hand to his eyes and staggers and clement re-entering at that moment catches him as he drops into the armchair fainting
2: father FATHER.
0: End of Act Two.